The following programming is sponsored by Six Feet Over Under Productions. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM, 97.5 HD2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, you don't want to start with sports, do you? Why should we? I don't know. You want to talk about uh, decorating? I don't, I don't even know why we're here. We should actually just do our show remote because when we come in, we get all sorts of surprises. Or actually, they're not surprises. Go so, ahead. So, get it off your so, chest. So for people that don't know, we've been in this studio for a year after it took us five years to move from the other studio. And they have all of all of our pictures in the hallway. Now, normally I would say in the hallway means up on the walls. No. But, but for a better part of a year, they've been sitting on the floor <laughs> <laughs> We and, may and, we may have questioned about it occasionally <laughs> being put up on the wall. Yes, and and apparently the reward for for being the squeaky <laughs> wheel is that every other one of them is up on the wall, Except- and ours is leaning on the floor. <laughs> for our listeners, <laughs> Jeff got here before me. Okay, so I come in, and somebody wanted to talk to me, and Jeff goes, "No, come here real fast." And he brings me over and shows me that they are all up on the wall neatly, except for ours that is leaning neatly in the corner. <laughs> The best part, I said, I didn't know whether it was going to be smoke coming out of your ears or you're just going to cry laughing and you're still crying I'm laughing. still crying laughing. Yes. I cannot help but laugh about it. So we will uh, work on the interior decorating here. So still. if anybody has a hammer and a nail, feel free to come on over. <laughs> I thought that was the point. We're not allowed to touch the wall. We offered to put it up. So we apparently are lacking uh, something to hang it right now. And we will get on the wall sometime. I don't know when. <laughs> are you done now? <laughs> Can we get to doing yeah. a radio show? <laughs> so we're going to get to women's basketball in a couple minutes. Lachina Robinson is going to join us, talk about the WNBA playoffs. Uh, the atmosphere there has been pretty cool. Uh, yeah, but why don't we why don't we talk first about the Utah Jazz that has every first round pick from now until eternity? Sam Hinkie is very jealous of Danny Ainge right now. So obviously the big trade this week, the next the Knicks apparently temporarily walked away on Monday night from talks. The Cavs, no, incorrect. Temporarily, no. they may have tried to come they back themselves. Temporarily, <laughs> uh, they, uh, Utah made sure it was permanent and traded Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland. The Cavs sent Laurie Markkinen. Ochai Obagi, Colin, huh? Sext- Colin Sexton, three unprotected first-round picks, and two pick swaps for Mitchell. So essentially, what the trade was was Larry Markinen for Donovan Mitchell because so they extended Sexton when he got there. Yeah, but Colin Sexton didn't play last year for Cleveland, so Cleveland didn't care one way or the other. Yes, and and so not only did they do that, now Utah has thirteen unprotected or lightly protected first round picks through twenty twenty nine. Lightly protected, <laughs> yes. So they, they, and now they apparently still want to uh, move Bogdan Madonovich. They wanted Jordan Clarkson, Mike Connell. You interested in any of those guys? By the way, before we bring Lachina on real fast and talk, I actually wouldn't mind having Bogdanovich because of his shooting. You think that there's a chance that they try and make some more moves with this roster? With the How Sixers? They, what are they going to do? They can't. They don't have any room to move anybody. I'm just not sure how they're going to stagger people in terms no, of having Maxi I, I th- on the I think court. the Sixers should do nothing and just see how this team plays. Just for once. No more big splashes. Just do this. Well, and you've been saying okay, that. It's you, enough. Right? You've been consistent about that. Yeah. Let's leave that there. Let's bring on ESPN WNBA analyst Lachina Robinson, who will be calling the game Sunday at 1 p.m. between Chicago and Connecticut. Lachina, thanks so much for the time today. How are you? 
I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a blast to get to talk to you. Watching these playoffs on TV, the atmosphere looks amazing. Tell us what you're getting to see there firsthand. Exactly what we hope is coming through the television screen, um, quite honestly. Uh, you know, I mean, we've been saying this for, for many years, that the WNBA is comprised of 144 of the best women's players in the world, the best. Um, and so we're seeing a very high level of basketball. Um, we're seeing a crowd that values the game at the highest level. Um, and we see right now four teams that are really hungry for championships for different reasons. You know, Seattle would love to close out Sue Bird's career with a championship. You know, you look at Vegas and Asia Wilson, who's already been an MVP in this league, and then her head coach, Becky Hammond, who played for many years in the WNBA, neither one have their first league championship. Um, a Connecticut organization that is in a drought, uh, you know, in all of its years of existence and excellence in the regular season, they're still void of a championship. And then Chicago, which is looking to win back-to-back trophies for the first time in, the, in 20 years of this league. You know, you talked about Sue Bird. She'll be passing the torch to younger players. When you see the players, the older players like Sue Bird, go through this period where they're getting to the end of their career, do you sit back and think about how much they've contributed to the WNBA growth? And and what was her, what will you think of her as when this is all over? Absolutely think about the impact of, um, you know, some of these players that are retiring and, and, and what they've meant, not just to the league, but to the game of women's basketball, you know, starting with Sue Bird. Uh, Sue's been a winner at every level. You know, I mean, we all know about the dominance of the Connecticut Huskies, and she was a part of kind of the beginning of what became a dynasty and and then, you know, on to being the most winningest college program in the history of the sport. Uh, And then, you know, we follow her to Seattle and her winning four championships there on the brink of five, which would tie a record with Rebecca Brunson for most WBA championships uh, for a single player. She's won in every decade, you know, so her ability to stay, um, you know, current with not only how the game has evolved, but also in relationships with her teammates. And, you know, she's seen so many different facets of the league's growth. And what you appreciate about Sue is, yes, she's a champion, you know, add to that the five Olympic gold medals. She's the all-time leader in assists and all-time leader and games played, but she's also been a voice and an advocate for the growth of the league off the floor. You know, she's been a face of the marketing um, involved in, you know, various aspects of, you know, CBA negotiations. Um, You know, Sue is just to me the quintessential point guard, but also just a leader, someone who has assisted her teammates, um, has assisted the WNBA in so many different ways. And uh, we're kind of saying goodbye to an era of basketball where, the past first point guard is kind of going out of style, if you will. And I know we see this across many leagues, the NBA as well. Like you don't have the Steve Nashes and, you know, those guys who were just about setting up their teammates as often anymore. Now it's about the scoring point guards. And um, so to me, Sue's style of play is kind of the, the true transition into a different uh, era of basketball in many ways. And you could say the same about Sylvia Fowles. You know, she was the back-to-the-basket center, the power five where now the game is more positionless fives are you know now bringing the ball up and shooting threes and stretching the floor but she was dominant on the interior so we see kind of a a change in the style of of basketball from the two of them and 
we'll miss them greatly, along with, you know, Breon January, Kiavon, and some of the other players that are retiring. So you'll be there calling the, the Connecticut Sun game. What do you expect to see? The series is tied 1-1. In, in game two, all five Chicago starters were on fire. They put up double digits. What are you looking for out of game three? And can Candace Parker continue doing what she's doing in that series? Yeah, it's been a fun series to call. Uh, and I and I would I have to start with the play of Candace Parker. Um, you know, for Candace to be doing the things that she's doing at 36 years old, eight knee surgeries, uh, it, it's really remarkable. Uh, there really hasn't been an answer for her in this series. So I'm curious to see what Connecticut does maybe de- differently defensively against her since that is really where they've hung their hat. And that's what troubled Connecticut in game two, you know, was the fact that, um, you know, Chicago got back to their style of basketball, space, passing, pace. Uh, that's what they do. They score early in transition. They average about 24 assists a game, which is a WNBA record. Um, sharing the ball, to your point, multiple scores in their starting lineup. But Parker has just been, I mean, I think, what did she have? 15-plus points, 15-plus rebounds in game one, plus five uh, assists, five-plus steals, five-plus blocks. Like, that's never been done in the history of this league, only by Parker. So it speaks to just who she has been as a player. There's really no one like her. There's never been anyone like her. Uh, really a guard in a power forward's body. But you're absolutely right in that I think Connecticut has to find a way to get back to playing disruptive defense in a way that takes that offensive balance away from Chicago. You know, one of the other stories in in these playoffs is Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond won the 2022 WNBA Coach of the Year Award. What has it been like to watch Becky go from player to coach in another league to now coaching and being this successful this early on? Oh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I was someone who was always in the background every time a high-profile college job or a WNBA job came open saying, we need Becky back. And I had several conversations with her over the years, and she always made it very clear that, listen, going back to the WNBA for me would not be a step down. As someone who had you know, success coaching with Pop in San Antonio and was around the greatest players in the world, like the Tim Duncans and the Pau Gasols, you know, she could say basketball is all the same and that going back to the WNBA for her would be home, going home. She was like, I wouldn't be in this position in the NBA if it wasn't for, uh, you know, the WNBA and and, and my career and, and what I was able to learn and accomplish there. So, you know, it was unfortunate that Becky was not given a head coaching opportunity in the NBA Uh, But it's clear that she was valued by this league. And you have to give credit to Mark Davis, who um, put money on the line, money that Becky deserved, you know, a million-plus contract from what we understand. You know, this is the organization that she played for, used to be the San Antonio Stars, is now the Las Vegas Aces. So it's a full-circle moment and where this has kind of come back in her career as an opportunity to win her first championship. But it's been fun being, you know, talking to Becky and listening in and what's happening in those huddles and just how relatable she is with her players, how much she trusts them. They trust her. And if anything, you know, the success that she has had in this first year just goes to speak to the fact that she's ready. She was ready for this opportunity as a head coach and has had a seamless transition um, was named Coach of the Year, and I think there's a lot to be excited about in Las Vegas. And instead of it being a step down, like you said, it's really a step forward for her. She's she's one of the faces of a league that's that's growing 
basically by every metric. If you look at the ratings from the first round, they were up 50%. If you look at the ratings year over year, they're up 16% this year. If you look at their social media ratings, they generated a 36% increase over last season. Can you talk about the media growth and coverage that this league is experiencing, which will lead to the growth in fan bases and other markets? Yeah, there are several different things that I think that have happened for the WNBA. First of all, it takes investment and sponsorships, right? And something that the commissioner, Kathy Engelberg, continues to talk about is that less than 1% of all sports sponsorship goes to women's sports. Less than 1%. So you're you're grateful for the Googles of the world and the UFOs and I think it's UFOs, UFOs, whatever, <laughs> that have stepped up and stepped in as either continual sponsors of the WNBA or new sponsors. Uh, which just allows you to grow content. You know, we have several partnerships even within ESPN where um, Google has paid for additional shows and, and, you know, sponsored elements within the game. Like all that stuff matters and counts um, for us to be able to expand our footprint and show more games. But also the digital helps as well, right? There were games on Prime Video this summer. You know, there's the app, but we still have a ways to go in terms of, um, you know, making sure that the WNBA is visible as far as your opportunities to watch the games. And, you know, I think um, ABC, having more ABC games through the ESPN partnership is huge when you're on network television. So sponsorships for sure helps. And then, you know, making the game accessible on television and wherever so fans can watch the game is great. But there's also like the grassroots media. You know, we have a lot of different media entities that have started to uh, just put more into the WNBA. You see what Bleacher Report has done with Highlight Her and there's Next Hoops and, um, you know, there's Windsider and there's just all these different um, kind of grassroots WNBA media entities that have grown and, and given us you know, look at all the beat writers we have now versus what we may have had five or 10 years ago, you know, the significance of that level of coverage. So it's kind of like this perfect storm of a bunch of different things happening. Uh, but you also have to credit the players and how they use social media to grow their individual brands. We're seeing more player deals. You know, Asia Wilson just signed with Russell, excuse me, with Russell's potato chips. Um, and so there's just like all these little things happening and these little energies along the way that feed into ratings, you know, that feed into merchandise sales. But it all comes back to really it's a great product on the floor, and this league deserves all of that support and some. And it's just been great to be even a small part of, you know, how this this league has grown over the last, I would say, four or five years has felt uh, incredible um, in in terms of where the traction is and and the trajectory and where it's going. But you're more than a small part of this perfect storm. You're somebody who's received the Dawn Staley Excellence in Broadcasting Award, the Mel Greenberg Award. You're so involved now in advancing the role of media in the women's game. What what more do you think needs to be done or what, what's the next step in, in bringing the WNBA to the next level? I honestly, first of all, I appreciate those kind words. And I know I'm speaking to a couple of, of Philly guys. So Don Staley and Mel Greenberg, you know, those are names that resonate. <laughs> so that's uh, our people. That part of the world. Those are your people. Yeah. I mean, I started uh, in, on the TV side covering the Big East. So Muffet McGraw, you know, Gino and 
Y'all got a lot of women's basketball history in, in that area. Now yeah, we get to I, watch Elliot. I'm a Rutgers grad. I'm a Rutgers grad. Oh. So I had Vivian Stringer to watch and, and my Rutgers oh. team. So I was a happy nice. guy. Nice. Right. So you're cheering for Kalia Copper, I assume. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Philly plus Rutgers. Doesn't get better than that. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate that. And quite honestly, I think it just takes everyone going from, you know, being a casual maybe viewer or casual fan or casual attendee of a WNBA game or team to being committed. You know, we need more dollars committed, more dollars invested. Um, you know, we need season ticket sales rather than, hey, we may go to a couple of WNBA games a season. You know, we need those merchandise um, sales to go up. We need for different media entities to send someone to cover the finals, you know, send someone from your staff to go cover the semifinals of the WNBA. Like it takes everyone who has something to give women's sports to commit to doing that, to commit to investing at that next level. And to me, again, it's all those little steps, those little decisions, those little investments that will help to grow the league. We have a lot of folks on the fringes right now that are watching to see, you know, is this WNBA thing real? Should I check it out? Should I invest in it? Should we be sending a writer? We need all of those folks to kind of just jump two feet in because I promise you it's an investment that pays off in so many different ways. Um, You can't go wrong with putting these amazing women athletes in a place where their skills can be seen and they can be celebrated, but also, where we can um, really celebrate who they are as people, as advocates, as mothers, as philanthropists. You know, there is plenty of space in the world for visibility of of strong and powerful and amazing women, and I hope that the WNBA is an example of of that. Well, and you mentioned philanthropists. Before we let you go, we talk about how people use their platform. You got recognition with the Giving Gracefully Award for your work with your own Rising Media Stars program for mentorship and training for young women of color who want to get into broadcasting and sports. Talk about what it means for you to be able to give back to a next generation who wants to follow the trail that you're blazing now. Oh, it means everything. (laughs) You know, like I I love my job and uh, I have an amazing time every time I'm courtside taking in a game, whether that was women's college basketball or the WNBA. But I got to the point in my career where I looked around and said, I'm doing everything I could have ever dreamed of doing. Like, how can I have even more of an impact? And it was, you know, how can I help the next generation of women get to where I am? If that was, is what they aspire to do. You know, I had great mentors along the way and worked extremely hard to, to open the doors to get into this field um, but there just weren't enough faces of women of color when I turned on my television covering sports. And me being a black woman, you know, coming into this field, I know that my journey was definitely different and probably a little harder um, than most, especially than my male counterparts. But just wanting women to feel supported on their journey, whether that's us providing mentorship. Um, us providing opportunities for them to actually get reps. We have a partnership with the four sports teams here in Atlanta, the uh, or four of them, the Hawks, the Falcons, the United, and the Dream. And these women actually get to go and cover those games and then have footage for their reels so that they can go out and get jobs and say, hey, this is what I look like on camera. This is what I sound like. And, um, you know, there's multiple facets of the program. But at the end of the day, you know, if I can leave – you know, this, this field one day saying, uh, you know, there are more women really able to live their dream the way I have than there were when I was coming into this. 
that will be a win. Like I will have had a fulfilling career. So that's what I'm trying to do. Well, good on you for not only living your dream, but making sure other people have the chance to do the same. We look forward to seeing you on the call of the games this weekend and going forward. Hope to get you back to keep talking about what we have to do to grow the women's game. Thanks so much for the time. I would love to, guys. Thank you so much for the platform. Oh, you have a great one. You too. Jeff, the, the atmosphere watching those games is a blast. I don't know if you saw Las Vegas the other night. <laughs> it was a madhouse there. Well, look, it's a good game, and that's the thing. People, it, people, people don't realize the WNBA is different than the NBA. It's not played above the rim. It's a more fundamental game. But for some of us, that's what we like. Well, now that, I know I'm old, so, no, so no, you're no, going to point that thing, out though, again. But there are people, there are tradition basketball traditionalists who don't have to be old, by the way. You mm-hmm. don't have to be old to like the more I traditional just game of basketball. Right. It works for you. Look at you. But, you know, <laughs> I, they, look, I wasn't going to go there, but if you want to. <laughs> yes, but, you were. But if you're looking for a more traditional game of basketball where yeah. the skill is there as mm-hmm. opposed to just the isolation and take it to the rim and try and dunk over somebody – the women's game provides that for you. If you want strategy, if you want fundamentals, if you want good basketball and don't care about above the rim, that's the game. That the, There's so much talent in the WNBA and there's so many people that, that are putting together a good product. As, as LaChina mentioned, it's getting the product out there for people to see. When when you're only when a hundred a hundred percent and you're only spending one percent of those marketing dollars, that's staggering. Think about that. One percent is what we're talking about, and we and we have had people on to talk about women's soccer with like, the same thing. If you even move that to five percent, as much as that disparity is still huge, do you know the impact that would make on women's sports overall? How come corporate America doesn't realize this yet? Well. Half of America's population is women. So how do you not focus on something that is that, is that readily available it for is people a, to... It is a slight blind spot in their marketing flaw. It, 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 is, it is baffling to me. And, and, and I get, if you think it's an inferior product, well, you're wrong. That's first of all. But maybe give it a try. Well, also, watch this. Maybe these, are, these are games to watch. I mean, how cool is it to sit there and watch Sue Bird go through this experience? This is one of the greatest WNBA players, and now she's sitting there, and she's in the Final Four. Maybe you shouldn't compare it to the NBA game either. Maybe you should just take it for what it is. Yeah, but unfortunately— It's a different brand of basketball. Unfortunately, isn't that what happens somebody, in sports? Somebody used to tell Everybody me comparison is the thief of joy. You don't enjoy what you're seeing in front of you because you're pe- comparing it to something else that it's not. The WNBA is not trying to be the NBA. They're trying to be their own league. They're trying to be different. I totally agree And appeal agree to you. a more broad audience that wants to see the game of basketball as opposed to people who just want to see an athletic spectator. <laughs> Keep going. You don't like that? <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. Oh. I, I was just waiting for you to take a breath. <laughs> uh, Wes over on the other side, can you cut that? Jeff said I totally agree with you a few times. I may need that again. No, but keep keep in mind, look, this is all we hear on, on radio and TV is that people want to compare generations. They want to compare players. They want to, Everything is a comparison when it shouldn't be, and you're right that it shouldn't be a comparison. It is a different game. But the fact is, is unfortunately, people do compare it. Well, so if you're going to compare it, at least com- compare all aspects of it, and then you'll sit there and realize, aha, it's different. 
And and you don't have to say it's better or worse. It's just different and, and it's just as entertaining and it's just as exciting and you have just the same kind of finishes that you would have in a regular sporting event. Just the way the numbers speak for themselves in WNBA. Before we go to break, let's talk a little women's tennis. Let's keep the women's block going. The numbers are changing the TV schedule. Oh, here we go. Captain ratings. Here he goes. Okay. So tonight, ESPN was going to have college football. Right. First official weekend of college football, even though there were games last week. Everybody's watching. Big night last night. Huge opportunity to have a game on. Do you know what they're doing? They're moving that game to ESPN, too. You know why? Serena Williams is playing again. Good for them. The ratings that she has had for her matches are unbelievable. 2.7 million viewers Monday nights, four times the national their viewership before. On Wednesday night, they had 3.6 million viewers. That's up 289% from okay, the year before. Okay, so, so I'm going to give them a pat on the back, and good for them. And then I'm going to say, as a society as a whole, it shouldn't take one of the greatest players in the history of the sport to be the time, the only time that they do something like that. Could this. you stop bringing facts to this conversation, I know. please? I, I, Let's just I, I go with the it. outrage of you don't want to talk media. To, no, you're right, though. It, it shouldn't take this. But I will tell you, having this a part of it, for people who often are like, oh, men's sports, I'm going to watch men's sports. If you watched the other night, the men's match that came on after Serena's match stadium mm-hmm. was dead. It was Serena's match that there was the buzz for. Right. That okay. Was so, exciting. so, what time is the Serena match? Seven o'clock tonight. Okay. Again, kudos to to tennis for putting it on at seven and not Thank ten you. o'clock. Th- Thank you. Because that was the thing that frustrates me most about some of these tennis matches is how late they can, put them can on. Can I tell you hold what on, happened? Hold on. But the reason this is so important is because there is a whole generation, probably more than a generation of young women who have looked up to Serena and Venus. And and now they're going to get a chance to actually watch them as opposed to the match being on at 9 or 10 o'clock and, at night. And not just young women. We, I, yes. we went to Hershey with the boys, and on Monday night we were leaving early to come back on Tuesday. So we got back in the room and we put tennis oh, on. Come for a few on, minutes. you were there to see Lady Gaga. We, oh my, it was a very eclectic crowd right, in Hershey you. on Sunday mm-hmm. between Lady Gaga, the parents. Right, so stop yes, with the Hershey. You were there so, to see Lady so Gaga. So on Monday night, we we got the right and we were sitting, we were watching tennis on Monday night, and Brandon, my five year old, got to watch Serena Williams and see that type of tennis match. So it's mm-hmm. not just little girls who get to watch it, and it's the same thing I tell you all the time, and I argue about the start time of baseball. And look, tonight the Phillies will play on the West Coast against San Francisco on Apple TV. If you find that game and you are still awake at 1045, I'm going to ask you what you ate wrong for dinner. Are you, you're there asking, is are you zero talking about, chance are you talking that about you watch the, that game Wait, are you tonight. talking about the you, the general, I'm, or you? The Me. general public Jeff. has a better chance of finding and staying up and watching that game than Jeff does. All right. Can we agree with that? Uh, I think that's fair. Have you watched any more of the U.S. Open? I know you're more of a go-in-person watcher. I love to go in person. I I think if nobody, if if you have never been to a U.S. Open day, and when when I say day, yes, the big matches are super exciting. For a lot of people, they can't afford those kind of things or don't want to spend that kind of money or don't really care about necessarily who's playing. You get these grounds passes, especially early on in the tournament, and you can go to over a dozen different courts and be sitting literally courtside. Those are the best courts. Uh, exactly. And you you will be seeing some of the best tennis players in the world. Keep in mind, everybody that is there is ten one feet, of the ten best Ten feet away players. from you. And, and, and those tennis players, you keep track of who you see because those people years later are going to be the ones that you sit there and go, wow, look how good they are. Those are the ones that are at the top of their game. And, and people just... 
you know, we focus on the four major sports. Now maybe the five, if you want to count soccer. There are so many other sports to go see and, and that are just as entertaining, if not better. And going back to our conversation last week of entertainment during sports, have you seen that they have intro music and announcements for the players? Oh, good Lord. They really? have video We're go boards there, again? there to talk about. Tennis is trying things to make sure that their audience is interested, not just throwing the same what, product you need out there. Shot up I'm sorry, did too? you go to somebody with a game who then told you that there might be a good idea if there was more going on? Did you take my friend, me? Uh, I'm, I'm just telling you, I think that there's enough at sporting events with the sport. I don't... Uh, there isn't, We're though. not going to have another half-hour conversation on this because we're just going to disagree. I think there's enough, and if the sport is good, that's supposed to be the entertainment, not all the other crap. That's just me. I, I want to say I, that's what I'm paying the ticket you're such for. A, you're such I am a not. I am not paying. I don't need to go to a tennis match and watch uh, anything other than the talented tennis players that are in front of it. You are such a purist that's about just everything. Me. Let's go to break. When we come back, we got plenty more to talk about. Stick with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. All right, since we were fighting about baseball again before we went to break, let's talk some Phillies. Phillies are 73 and 58. They start tonight late on Apple TV on the West Coast against the Giants who come in losing and you, seven and in a row. You've already wagered that I am not going to be up long enough to watch it. It's only a wager if there's a chance you lose. It's really a short bet if somebody were to take it. Well, no, that. look, the Colorado versus TCU is on. And that'll be exciting for about five minutes. And so then you can watch that. And then after you watch that, you'll forget that it's on Apple TV. You'll click through the stations on the TV and you won't end up I, putting I, it look, on. Look, I, I have to say, I, I, admittedly, like, the Phillies are hard to watch these days. And I don't know what it is. They're pie. I don't know. What do you mean they're hard to watch? I, they're winning baseball games. There's something about when they go out west, it's it's the it's the late games that I just can't do. And don't you dare talk <laughs> about how old I am. I'm just telling you, I don't need to see an Arizona Diamondbacks game at 30, 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, but you don't want to see them play Arizona if it starts at seven o'clock. It's the opponent, not the time that it's starting. No, I actually so I'm, might, I'm not I, like I might. making the joke about your age or anything. Don't worry. Well, that's because I and took the shot first. You did. See, that's yeah. the, it's no fun when you take the shot before <laughs> I get to. That, right. that like, yeah, takes away my time for a good opportunity. Yeah. All right, so the Phillies are 7-3 and three in their last 10, despite two bad losses in Arizona. They put up 18 runs the other night. Literally everybody got two hits and an RBI in that game. Uh, they start against San Francisco. Kyle Gibson will be on the mound. What is your confidence level in the Phillies who are a half game back of, in the second seed in the wild card, uh, the half game up on the second seed in the wild card over the Padres, three and a half games up on the third seed over Milwaukee? What do you want to know? I, 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 look, it, yes, it's... You have no confidence in this team at all. No, I don't. You're not enjoying it, it, this it, season it, well, at all, are you? I'm enjoying it. No, you're but not. But it's... No. You're like more into the Mets Here, than you are the Phillies right no, now. No, here's the problem. You told me about Timmy Trumpet before the show more Timmy than you Trump. did about the Phillies. Okay, we're not we're not doing vuvuzelas <laughs> and trumpets and anything like that. No, the problem is is that the Phillies 
have a good team, but they are at best the sixth best team in the National League. I'd actually prefer they have the sixth wild card than the fifth because then they don't have to play the Braves in the first round. <laughs> so instead they'll play who? The Mets? I'd rather play, play the Mets than the Braves. Oh, wait a second. So you'd rather have Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer as to, the two pitchers you're going no, against? No, but they seem to at least come to play against the Mets than they do against the Braves. Oh, what? Have you seen, have you seen their the record? Braves? Have you seen the record uh, against yeah, the Mets? No, they haven't played well against the Mets. Yeah, yeah, so why would you want to do that? I don't want them to play either team, frankly. Exactly. So, <laughs> But that's my point. This has become but don't, so if hard. If you're going to win, don't you have to eventually play a team? Like, you're going to get there. You're going to make the playoffs for the first time I'm since just 2011. Telling you that, I'm just telling you that I think that's part of people's lack of motivation okay, for this team. But, okay, you can't have, I, you I don't can't know have what to it tell where... You. We haven't made the playoffs in 11 years. We need to make the playoffs. We haven't done it in 11 years. We're going to make the playoffs. Well, because we're not going to win, it doesn't matter that we're making the playoffs now. Like, all of a sudden, we can't enjoy the ride to the playoffs because we know it's not going to end in winning the World the Series. The ride to the playoffs, and how many teams are in the playoffs now? 12 teams total. Uh, it's, it's too many. Again, because it's not traditional, you can't enjoy it. No, it's not. Think a- outside the box. Have fun with I, life. I try new things. Try new things. I'll try new things. <laughs> Wheeler's still on the IL. He's expected to potentially return next Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. Dominguez still on the IL. Those are the bigger concerns to me is, you know, Bailey Falter is not going to be the ace of this staff, despite the fact that he you stopped losing. You texted me streak. the other day that he was the ace of the staff. I that never, he was your stopper. Well, there's a no sarcasm button on text message. Oh, okay. I but I never that thought that Bailey, Bailey Falter would have the two biggest starts in the last month for the Phillies, stopping a losing streak in the Mets Okay, game. you just made my and, point again. Because if Bailey Falter had to be the guy that made the stops, it means that the other guys that are getting paid well, all the money aren't. He's Aaron in the Nola. rotation because Aaron Wheeler is, or because Zach exactly. Wheeler is on the IL. He wouldn't be in there. I know Aaron Nola did not have his best stuff. Aaron he got Nola's rocked been, the other night. His last couple games, he seems to be pitching like it's 2023. Well, it's September now. <laughs> uh, so, well, yeah, but he's not into an odd year. He pitches crappy in odd years, not even years. <laughs> it's concerning. It's definitely concerning. It really is. So I, I so you're just not going to enjoy it at all. Like you won't have any fun I, because they're not going to play a home game no, for see, you. No, you're, see, you're going all black and white on me. I'm not saying that it's not fun. I'm just saying that if you're asking what the – you've asked me several times why there are not more people at the games. I think that's part of the reason, and trumpets aren't going to change that. <laughs> The fact that they're, they're going to be Yet the you're the one who came in and talked to me about the trumpets being there. I thought it was cool, <laughs> but but I'm not going to a game. And you and you want you wanted the Phillies to manufacture something. This was something that just came to them. They've been doing this apparently for years, and only this year has it become a thing for the Mets. And I don't know. It wasn't for the Mets. Diaz did it when he was in Seattle, yes. and then he stopped when he got here. And then it was suggested to him his wife by his wife that maybe he should try and he it did, again. And I'm not saying. Just come up with stuff to come up with stuff, but try sure stuff. You are. Look, you will fail. You've now had you... a week. Now tell me what you've come up with. I don't. You're I'm not... a marketing guy. Tell me what you come up in the week. I am not the director of fun and games for the Phillies. It's not my job to come up with counter programming. I buy the tickets to go to the game. Okay. I want my five year old well, to be entertained. We know I the director the of fun and games. Inning, we'll ask him to come. On. I want in the fourth inning that there's something different than he's seen before. And if something fails, <laughs> cool. Try something else. How many times have the Iron Pigs tried something? They are literally bacon USA because they've tried branding things that have failed and not worked and come up with better things. You just wanted to say bacon. I did. I love talking about bacon. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of the minors, though, it's a good transition. MLBPA tried to unionize the minors starting this week. Yeah. They're trying. It's not. It hasn't failed yet. You're no, tra- you're talking- they sent cards to all the minor leaguers. Uh, apparently, 
there's more than 5,000 players that could be impacted by the ability to unionize. Did you see what their their base salary, the average base salary for a minor league I'm afraid player. to know. I think it was around $15,000. <sighs> and these guys play year-round, essentially. And for a while, they didn't I, I, even I mean, have housing. Well, that's that's I mean that's my point. These guys can't afford this, and they are the feeder system for billions of dollars of revenue. So I'm not and the so, labor lawyer, but apparently they need 30 percent of the vote to have the MLBPA represent them. Oh, it's going to happen. I Why would it so, not right? happen? Do you think? Uh, look, we've had minor league players on before, and if you if you look at the beginning of when we would start talking to them, to just over the last couple of years, they're much more outspoken now. Yes, and and, 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 and the things they say off the air. Are, no, but we've had them say it on the yes. air in recent years, and, and they've become emboldened and not – and by the way, once you start taking away their jobs, you have the opposite effect. So if they thought they were going to scare them by – you know, there's less teams this year than there were last year, which means there are less jobs. And because there are less jobs, they now know their jobs aren't safe. So they're going to do everything they can to protect them, and good for them that they are. What do you think it means to the miners if they are unionized? I mean – and I'm not – it means, the management it means the MLB will things. take it out on them and there'll be less jobs. Is, is that what's going to happen? Yes, or are they just exactly going to contract more and say, well, we can't afford this and therefore we're going to close more stadiums and have fewer players because we have to pay you all more? Is that going to be the argument from the owners? Absolutely. That was the argument they made last year when they cut it down. They're, and, and they needed to improve the facilities. I mean, look, we've been, we've been watching. We, we go up to Lehigh Valley all the time. They have a beautiful stadium, holds 10,000 or more people. They put out a great product. And they don't even know if they can they can make the improvements to their stadium yeah, to, to stay in it. They're having a hard time getting the funding to stay there, which they're exactly. required to make the upgrades, including a locker room for women to do interviews. That's and fine. Change, and which the uh, money is all there. But, but we talk with LaChina Le- Le- about the opportunity for women to participate. Mm-hmm. Some of those changes are for women to have those opportunities in media in addition to making it a better facility for the players and a better place for baseball to operate. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that. Like, there's a lot there. Yeah, but, but I'm already tired of the argument they aren't gonna, that they are going to make but haven't made <laughs> as soon as they unionize, which is going to be this is going to cost them jobs because we can't afford to do this if we have to pay them, if we have to pay them a living wage. This is not a living wage that they're paying these guys. And these guys don't just sit there and play for three hours a day. Go at the beginning of the day and watch these guys working out. Go in the middle of the day and watch them working with their coaches. Go after the game and watch them make make sure they're doing their post-game, you know, reviews and video and stuff like that. Watch them in the offseason when they're when they're still down in the Dominican Republic and Mexico and 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 in you know winter leagues and things like that. These guys, this is their career as long as they're doing it. And this will be the difference between Jeff and I is when lawsuits are filed, I'll send Jeff the headline of the lawsuit and like the clickbait like paragraph. Jeff will get the legal brain and start highlighting it (laughs) and send me back the relevant section. So I will have my legal analyst take care of the suit when it's filed and we'll bring you everything about what goes on there. Yeah, but I'm all for these guys getting a living wage, being able to do what they're pa- – look, we talked – if you remember, we talked – what was it, two, three years ago to Nick Rickles, who was a uh, a minor league catcher who was in his late 20s at the time, and we were talking about how long he was going to be able to do this, and, and what was he talking about? He wanted to have a family, and he was now going to have to choose 
uh, whether or not he could continue if he wanted to have a family, and ultimately he, he couldn't. Had to cho- well, he yeah. had to choose. He, right. had, he chose his family. And, and, and I'm not saying that that they, that he was going to make fifty, seventy, a hundred thousand dollars, but but if you're paying them what they were paying these guys, they don't. It's not a choice. You can only do this so long. You won't have the stories of the guys that go through the system and persevere for seven or ten years because they can't afford to do it anymore. And if you lose those people, you're going to lose part of the heart of the sport. It definitely will change things. And as, as people who have covered the minor leagues and followed the minor leagues a lot, you more than me, it's something to watch and, and what is said afterwards. Let's leave baseball there. Let, let's go to football a little bit. Yeah. So what, what, I'm only going to do this one time this year. Go ahead. I'm going to let you talk about fantasy football. And only, <laughs> only because you don't like a fantasy football I'm issue, an, by the I'm way. I'm very annoyed by you what you preface, just told me. You should preface this section of the show by saying you are only talking about it because you dislike something that you found out before the show started. Otherwise, yes. you would not want to be talking about this. Yeah, right you're, you're, you're in some fantasy football draft, which I still think is gambling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you could drop that in. <laughs> exactly. And... and, and and you're having a draft where you each get four hours per pick. It's a slow snake draft. Okay. Which they is can the, go up to two weeks. Which is the most you ridiculous have thing I've ever heard. That I'm in a fantasy draft or that it goes for two well, weeks? Well, both. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking about the, the stupidity of having a draft that lasts two weeks, which is completely unfair because in any given day, someone can get injured. So I could pick yesterday, and three days later, you're going to have a pick. And my guy gets injured. If you do it all on the same day, then there's a level playing field. If you do it on separate days, somebody gets screwed. Probably lots of people get screwed by injuries that happen during that period of time. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm just impressed by how much thought you've put into fantasy football for today's show. I put no thought in. You told me five minutes before we started the show, and I got annoyed. I didn't set the rules. I told you I'm in another league where it's dynasty, and I don't even know what the rules right. are in that one Well, yet, so. I guess I'm going to have to do this and cringe. We'll talk a little bit of Eagles here. Okay. How excited are you that Jalen Rager is gone? I, I wasn't oh, one that come had to have on. him gone. Okay, well then I guess we should ask the rest of Philadelphia. How excited is the rest of the city that Jalen Rager If Jalen Rager wasn't a first-round pick, if he was a fourth-round pick, he'd still be here. It's because of the expectations that suck, were put though. on him. He's the only person who returned to pump for a touchdown last year. Who are they going to have wait, catch wait. the ball? What about the super-fast guy that was the— Who hasn't done it before either? Yeah. Well, in the in the NFL, did you not see Rager muff punts last year? I'm not saying he was the okay. best. I'm not saying I wanted him to do it. I'm not saying the trade is bad. But you ask me how excited I am. I'm not. I think he could wow. turn into a I football thought you player. Would have been so excited! I'm by more this. excited with how how he did it, getting basically the picks back that he traded away to get the defensive back from New Orleans, which shores up his secondary. So mm-hmm. basically he traded away his fifth wide receiver, which you can't be that excited because even though he's a fifth, how he still spent a first on him. And he should have taken Justin Jefferson over him. So none of this absolves that mistake. But what I like is he admitted he made a mistake, that it wasn't going to work, and he got rid of him. The same thing he did with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who already got cut from the Seahawks. let's be fair. He didn't admit he made a mistake. (laughs) That's an admission of a mistake. You trade away. That's your interpretation. If you trade away your first-round pick for a fourth-round pick, potentially your fifth, that would probably not make the roster. I I would love to have Howie Roseman on here. And if you ask them that— the question if he regrets 
making the decision Howie to take Roseman Jalen Rager over Jefferson, I'm pretty sure he'd have an answer that was not yes. No, he will never admit it, but he right. will always be wrong. Yeah. He will. He, there is no <laughs> rational totally agree with world. You. I totally where, agree with you. <laughs> there we go. I oh love it. Oh my God, really? <laughs> now I've got the audio. See, Wes, we don't even need Jeff for this show anymore. I totally agree with you. All right. We, we, so can we good. please right, stop we'll that? We'll stop that for All right. now. All right. So the Eagles do get Eagles. They get defensive back Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from New Orleans for a seventh round pick right. and a fifth. Again, a spot of need that they had. I still have questions, though, about this roster. In ter- I don't yawn when I talk Eagles. Okay, Just because we're going. on the radio and people can't see it doesn't mean you can sit here and yawn like you're not interested. <laughs> to Mr. be fair, Giants I was fan. really yawning. I know. I have concerns about the special teams, what they were going to do. They were in the bottom eight in every category oh, last no. year. You have the best offensive line and the best defensive line in the NFL. They do. And they you, got through healthy. They're in great shape. Have you wait, seen the turnover what, at what, their wide you receiver? Have verbal diarrhea today. Hold on a second. Go ahead. So so you just gave me this whole lecture about just sit back and enjoy the ride with the Phillies, blah, blah, I blah. will enjoy the Eagles. Uh, no, no. And, and so then you're sitting there, oh, I'm really worried about the special teams. Okay, no, no. There's a difference between blindly watching your team and breaking down what you think will happen. I think they are a strong team with more talent in lots of positions than they've had in years. Mm-hmm. I think there are some potential problems and flaws. Can Miles Sanders stay healthy? He's already had a hamstring. They just traded for Trey Sermon. Mm-hmm. Can Jalen Hurts be the receiver is, that they have? Is Boston, with all- is Boston's not going to make this roster? You know, you wonder. He's had a concussion. I, and Kenneth Gainwell, although they like him, hasn't played well. But are they going to have four running backs well, active on the roster? What do you mean hasn't played well? In the preseason, he hasn't. Oh, who gives a crap? Playing in the preseason, not, not saying, playing well, not doesn't saying, matter. If you read the reports out of camp, he hasn't done what the the coaching staff has hoped he would. Now, to say that that won't happen in the regular season, Mm -hmm. no one could say because it's the preseason. But coming out of it, it seemed like there was a hope or expectation that Gainwell would take a step forward that he didn't in camp. Right. I'm I'm just saying about that. But what excites me most is look at the turnover in wide receivers in just two years. In 2020, you had Travis Fulgham, Greg Ward, Jalen Rager, Deshaun Jackson, John Hightower, Alshon Jeffrey, and J.J. Yeah, Arthur. So Howie did a good job. That was the fourth most expensive wide receiving core in the NFL at $30 right. million. Now they have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, and Zach Paschal for $12 million. Right. It's markedly better in terms of targets. They have Dallas Goddard oh, well, that, there that, for Just him. so you know, that sal- those salaries are going to go way up. They I, are. I would but, be willing to <clears> bet you that A.J. gets uh, uh, an increase middle of the season. Absolutely. If he's good, and, and, and you know that Smith is going to get a bump. But isn't bump. that what they have to do? They have to stagger it through the life of the contract so they can make everybody fit together and work. And the fact that Jalen Hurts is on a rookie contract allows you to do some of that staggering. Chance, mm-hmm. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who they just traded for, the whole reason New Orleans let him go is because they couldn't agree on a number for a contract. So we'll see what happens, but they're a much younger team. Only eight of the 53 guys on the roster played on the 2018 Super Bowl team four right. years later. So they've had a ton Is Kelsey of now the here. oldest guy on the team? Uh, here, Brandon Graham, probably. He, Brandon Graham, Fletcher, Fletcher Cox, and Lane Michigan Johnson. Oh, see, you Thank always got to Well, you brought Michigan up Rutgers in, in an odd spot. So. It was not an odd spot. We were talking women's basketball. Yeah. It was a perfect spot. Thank you for a Rutgers draw. Okay. All right, so. College football time. Wait, before we get to college oh, football. Come on. Uh, could I You're ask you to me. comment on, one. on Brett Favre? Uh, why do you want to talk about Brett Favre? Because because he's a great character guy. Like, what do you want to talk about with Brett Favre? Can, can this is not the first. What you're going to bring up is not the first issue with him. I don't understand why do we have to keep. 
is he going to get charged for this? I don't know. All, all I know is it doesn't look good for him. I, I thought that the issue would be done. I thought he would have repaid it. it. It's terrible what he did. He got paid a million dollars for not actually speaking from federal welfare funds, basically. But it doesn't seem like this investigation is going away. Do you away. really want to hear him speak? Uh, no, but okay. I also so don't want to see they, him get a million dollars in tax dollars Maybe, maybe for they it. paid him not to speak. I understand, but that doesn't seem to be what the prosecutors are saying. <laughs> and normally when the FBI well, talks, you, I just allegedly up, it's not for a reason you would I prefer. Ju- I just came up with Favre's defense. Okay. They paid him not to speak. Uh, actually, he said um, he didn't know. That was his defense. And see, and that's why <laughs> you don't want him to speak. That, that's why. That's my point. That's why you should hire Jeff Cohen as your attorney <laughs> yeah, to help you, you out. Oh, look at that. Free advertising. Um, uh, now, can we talk about the real sport? Can we talk about college football, please? Yes, we can. Go Pitt. ahead. Bring, Pitt. You start. Hail Did Pitt. you watch last First night? First, hail Pitt. Did, did you see what happened last Pitt, night? Pitt, Pitt played very, very well. Were you like decked out? Not, in your, I know Keith was doll decked out. I don't have Pitt stuff. Uh, Keith Pompey, if you're listening, we need you to get Oh, uh, I, I got the hell to Pitt from him. Oh, yeah. I got, yeah. Some, I got some messages he, back. He, he wanted to know what I thought in the new quarterback. And I said, I like him, except his hands are too big. Of course, that had to come uh-huh. up. Um, what did you think of the turnover hoop that Pitt has on the sidelines now? I, I don't like those things, but that, that's, that's <laughs> I knew, what do you want from me? As soon as I saw it, I, I was thought like, teams were getting, I thought that was over with the turnover teams. As soon as I and all saw that, that my, I watch games now with the Jeff's going to have this reaction to it. That's the way I watch games. Well, I'm glad I'm so, your entertainer. So I'm watching that game, and I see them have a basketball dad on the side to dunk a football in it, and I turned to Sarah, and I was like, Jeff is going to hate that. Well, to be fair, Penn is ba- <laughs> was a basketball school until they got rid of Jamie Dixon. But the end of that game was bonkers. Mm-hmm. Pitt returned the pick six for a touchdown, held on for the win. Then you flip over. Purdue returns a pick six to go up. Penn State drives down and wins. Gus Johnson losing his voice. First night of college football. Welcome back, baby. I'm yeah, all about and, it. And then we have two of the most hated teams in sports playing each other tomorrow no, night. No, 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 no. We can't get to tomorrow yet. Why? Did you see who was on the halftime show last night at Fox? No. Your boy. Who? Urban Meyer. Oh, what? No, we're not He's talking. back. I know he's back. He's back to talk about character in sports, right? That's what he's... Oh, please tell me he didn't <laughs> talk about character. <laughs> no. Please tell me he just talked about which way they threw the football. That's all he does. Because about. if he says anything else about anything, then every time he does that, our entire show is going to be about Urban Meyer's character. <laughs> and, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to have Gary Waters on to talk about this is the guy who has character, who wrote the book on coaching character. And every time Urban Meyer's on, we'll have the guy who wrote the book on character come on and talk about the guy who has no character. Do you the, – the betting odds, Alabama's a huge favorite this mm-hmm. year. Is that just reputation or are they – as loaded as people think. They seem to be as loaded as people think. I mean, I Notre Dame's in the top five. I don't see where that's I, coming from. I mean, Alabama from. had an off year, and it wasn't an off year. They just didn't win the national championship. They never they're, have they're, off As years. long as Nick Saban is there, they will be a favorite or one of the top three, four favorites every season. They're, they're so It's not just their starters are good. It's that their second string and their third string are all that good. Okay, so I have to ask the question of the week, the Michigan question. What is Jim Harbaugh oh. doing? You're not picking a quarterback for your first two weeks? You're going to start a different one when each When does week? this ever work out? Never! Can, That's can why I don't know please... what's going on. I, and, and I'm sure you're on lots of Michigan chains where everybody's freaking out because you won't pick a quarterback. What is the Michigan feel no, uh, of the nonsense going what on What they're freaking out about is that Cade McNamara played very well last year, 
but he was the game manager. You know, the, the Don dreaded, can't have a game manager. Right. And, and he played well. It's like somebody who only shows strikes, but, but they aren't 100 miles an hour. But it was because hour. Harbaugh is so terrified of doing anything risky. He hardly ever throws the ball over the middle. He wants to, he wants to run it like it's 1970. You That's, should like that. No. That's your, you like traditional no. things. I, I, know, I know, but. That's like Jeff's But sports. I like to win, too. And, and they have this, this stud quarterback behind him, J.J. McCarthy who is more of a risk taker, but he's a gunslinger. He's got a stronger arm. He's faster so he can get out of the pocket. There's so many things that are a benefit. And so Harbaugh has now decided that he's going to play McNamara in week one and McCarthy in week two. And then they have another like cream puff team as, as their third game. And then he'll figure that out from there. But oddly, Cade McNamara got named as one of the captains. So how odd is this going to look if after game two or three, J.J. McCarthy is the starting quarterback? Awkward. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense, and and you know when you're playing football, it's all about consistency. It, it's it's as simple as the cadence that the quarterback uses, and everyone has a different one. So the offensive line has to get used to it. If you're going to play a soft schedule at the beginning of the year, it should be so that you're a well-oiled machine when you get to the Big Ten tournament. I've been waiting all week to hear you complain about that. I knew you were it, not going to like it the second I saw look, it. Look, I will make it perfectly clear if I haven't already. I don't like Jim Par- Harbaugh. No. I don't like the things. You were hoping he was gone this year. You're hoping he was gone last it, it, year. <laughs> look, I was at the semi college semifinal game. I, I love Michigan. I, I just I can't take him for so many reasons. And and part of it is his off the field stupid comments that he repeatedly makes. Well, and he just wants to keep you on your toes. Let's talk about a coach that we do I like. Sit down and finish. And I just want to cheer. I, okay, so I want to try something different. I want to finish on a happy note this Ooh. week, as opposed to a not happy note, and a coach that we like. Philadelphia Union clinched a playoff berth already. Uh, had two wins this week at home. They're 16-9-4. They've made the playoffs. Yeah, they're not tying anymore. They've made the playoffs in five straight seasons and scored 16 goals in their last four matchups. That's because we've been covering them. Tell me about... Look, you're not taking the pat on that. Well, right. you know, we, we can't take credit for everything. Right. I mean, we will take credit when our picture gets up on the wall, but we can't take credit Who's for everything. Who's their leading score? Uh, Gazdog. Yeah. And he's one of the top scorers in the league, and he's making a case for best player. They're tied for supporter shield Did you now see at that coming? points. No, I didn't. Yeah, I don't think anybody in the MLS thought but that But it's was not coming. just him. Carranza's up there. I mean, they have three guys that are in tops in the league and how they're playing, and that's not even Bedoya. That's not the younger guys. This team is so deep, mm-hmm. even compared to past years. And they've and built so it the right well, way. And so well coached. Well, and Curtin said something about that. Today, I think he was down at the press conference and he was talking about um, their sports preparedness team and, and, mm-hmm. and, and how important it is that the players are consistently healthy enough to be playing. Yes, everybody gets hurt, but they, they've been out there together. And so they have this continuity where you see often the same lineup in there regularly that these Thank players you. can get used to playing with each other. They know where each other are. They know what their next move and is. And how many times have I complained about the, the frustration of early in the season, these guys going off and playing. I get it. That's the way soccer works, but going off and playing for you the You just don't like the fundamentals of soccer where they sell people off and they let them go mid-season no, for tournaments. No. And Wait, you're, you're ma- you just made my point, though. My point is is that I told you at the beginning no, of the season. I'm with you, by the on, way. But, but I, at the beginning <clears throat> of the season, I kept talking about my frustration and how good this team would be. They were in first place or second place at the time I was saying this, but it said saying how much better are they going to be when they're all playing together? And now you actually get to see 
This team not only plays well together, they seem to like playing well together, and they also just seem to be able to step on the other team's throat when they have them down. They don't just sit there and, and it, you know, you're, I'm used to soccer being if you're up one nothing and, oh, my God, if you're up 2 nothing, then they're just sitting there playing with the ball in the backfield and then they're, not, they're not trying to do anything. And this team does not stop. They, how many times have they scored five, six goals in a game? Uh, well, they scored six goals plus four times this a season record, already. A record amount, They're, right? They've set records. But it's not just that. The, the defense this year, they've only given up 21 goals through 29 games. The record in MLS is 27 goals conceded. Right. They gave up one the other night, but they haven't lost a game at Subaru Park yet. Right now, they're eight points clear in the east of the next team, Montreal. They keep closing the way they are. The path to the MLS Cup goes through Subaru Park. And then it's and a, how how great would that well, be? And then it's a question of LAFC was running away with first with the supporter shield. Well, they've lost three in a row. Now all of a sudden the union and LAFC are tied at 57 points for the supporter shield. Mm-hmm. The union win that. The MLS Cup final is in Subaru Park if you make it Can that. Can you imagine far. that? Oh, it'd be a madhouse down there. So let me ask you a question. If I know it doesn't happen. If if the union made the finals, yes, would they be allowed to move it to another stadium in Philadelphia? No, no. and I don't think they would. I don't think they'd do that to their fans. Well, how would that hurt the fans? I I think that they would have it at Subaru Park. Okay, but how would that hurt the fans? I think that they would keep it. At how Su- awesome would that be, that be if they moved it to the link? It would be awesome. I doubt that they would do that. Well, I could be wrong. Look at how uncomfortable you are with this. Well, I just, Why? Because they've made Subaru Park such a special place to play and had the success there. I'd be hesitant to move it out just to put more people in Okay, there. how many people does Subaru Park have? 15,000? Eight, about 18,000. 18, if they could put 70,000 in there? I understand. They would sell that place. I guarantee you it would mean so much to soccer if you, play, if you played a final in a bigger stadium like that. That's going to be the last word for this week. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.